Hey, it's the chaplain checking on you again. I've got a bonus episode that I want you to hear. Ward Jenkins is back with us again. He's a veteran LAPD cop and a fellow police chaplain here in Kansas City. And he sat down with me recently to talk about what can be done after a line of duty death. I didn't give him any other prep. I just told him that another chaplain had emailed me asking for some advice. And then Ward and I got together and recorded a conversation. We definitely look at this from a police chaplain's point of view, but I really think any supervisor, wellness officer, FOP representative, or peer support member would get a lot out of this discussion. Here are two police chaplains talking about what can be done after a line of duty death. I got an email from somebody, I'll let them remain nameless, but the agency they work for had a couple homicides, unrelated, but pretty close together in in time. And so they were just reaching out and saying, hey, as a chaplain, what can I do to support my agency? What kind of things should I be looking for? And the problem is the correct answer is like a thousand things. Right. There's an endless list of concerns and nuances and, and the kinds of things where a chaplain could support or help or lend a hand, whether it's it's counseling or or just just being supportive generally speaking right there's just a, there's just an endless list sure. and and I, I I feel a little bit trapped by the long list of of answers that, that would be correct I get you and I what when I hear that question I think of two things I think about um, sort of the uh, I'm in crisis it just happened what do I do hmm. I think that's like that's where I would probably start a response from my own experience, but then that leads me to to also ask a question: What are you as a chaplain doing to prepare for this? Because it's going to happen in your agency, and it yeah. hasn't happened yet, or yeah. it hasn't happened in twenty years or fifteen years, which is the same thing as saying it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, and, and if I if I can maybe give one warning to a chaplain or to a commander. Um, maybe you're a, a sheriff or, or a police chief or whatever listening to this. Uh, one warning I received when I was in Bible college, uh, we, we had a class where a very well-respected hospital chaplain came in and talked to us. And we knew this guy was like, I mean, this guy's the expert. I mean, he's, he's dealing with death every day and he's, right. he's so good at it. Right. And he said that his secret sauce, his one thing that he hung his hat on was that he shut up. Hmm. And and so often we want to be problem solvers, right? And we value having the right word at the right time. But whatever you do, when there's a line of duty death, sometimes just being present and not saying anything is pretty important. You just stole the one thing I was going to say. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> because that's it, you know. And and in chaplain training, you hear over and over and over, this is a ministry of presence. Yes. And, and that's what you do. You show up, you're present. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you show up, I think, I think what you just said is very helpful. I, and I'm, I'm going to draw from uh, past experience. Uh, I, uh, my best friend was killed in the line of duty a mm-hmm. uh, long time ago. And um, I was a patrol officer at the time. I had to go out and do the notification to the family with uh, the chaplain and the captain. And, and I also was on duty when he was murdered. Yeah. And so uh, I can tell you from like my personal experience, the things that impressed the most upon me positively. Okay. Okay. Um, one of them was arriving at the station, uh, and I had learned that uh, Danny had been killed, and uh, a sergeant just wrapped me up in a big hug. Wow. 
Um, never in my career have I ever thought of having physical contact. <laughs> you don't go around, around hugging no, your, your no, fellow police no, officers. <laughs> no, it just, it won't work. Don't do it. If you're a chaplain, don't do that. But there may be a time when that's okay. And this is a time when that's okay. This is a yeah. time when someone might need to just be hugged. Yeah. And you have to read it. You have to read the situation. It's not going to be true of every officer or nope. every situation. And, and let's be very cognizant of, uh, gender differences yeah. and yeah. Your comfort levels and all that. But, but don't be afraid to to put your arm around somebody or to hug somebody don't be afraid because yeah. that that actually did probably i this was 30 something years ago now and i still remember that hug like it was yesterday yeah so that was huge yeah um the other thing that happened to me is that i was at uh i was at the family home and uh danny's widow asked me ward why did this happen and wow um <laughs> All I could tell her was, I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. And this gets back, this is what you just talked about a second ago. Sometimes you just have to shut up. Don't don't try to have the answers. Yeah. Don't worry about having the answers. Oh, and the temptation for that is so strong. Mm. Where people who have answers, we all we want to always have an answer, especially in that really sensitive moment. Right. But And this is not the time yeah. for that. This is simply the time for you to make a response. And I, Looking back on it, God, I know God gave me wisdom at the time and it could, because my because I searched for an answer real quick. Like, what am I going to tell her to make sense out of this? And then I was just, I had to be honest. Yeah. And I told her, I can't make sense out of this. No, no. Um, and so the only thing I can tell you is that I'm here for you. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of violent, accidental deaths, uh, you know, tragedies like that are, there's not a reason. No. It, 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 it's it's random whether you're talking about uh, experiences people have in war or in violence on on the street it, th- there's not a reason the, the same event could happen a hundred more times and your officer would not have been hurt right but this time they were right and there's not anything anyone necessarily did wrong it just right. happened right and, and the other thing I would say and this is probably so this is the initial, you know, your first hour of contact is going to be uh, a severe shock. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unbelief. It'll be a blur. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. a blur. And this is, the, this is the time, most of all, to, to be quiet, to yeah. be present. Death uh, always, in my experience, brings about guilt of some sort. Mm-hmm. Heaven forbid that the officer who was killed had an argument with their spouse before they went to work there. Yeah that yep. day or night but that can yep. be that's a reality yep um or or if there was something left undone or something left unsaid there's always going to be guilt expressed by by people who survive and who live and, and you know what the officers who are on duty when their partner when their fellow officer was killed are also going to have guilt that they weren't there at the scene yeah what that, could they have done differently oh my gosh yeah. i was in the drive-thru getting food i was I was whatever. I wasn't there. I should have been there. And so yeah. be prepared for that because in a, in a line of duty death, I mean, we need to be able to respond on a multiple of fronts. And this is why uh, having having a, more than one chaplain, if you can, if you're a small agency, then you, you need to develop the other spiritual leaders that are uh, yeah. with you to help yep. you. We, we need to, we sort of need to coordinate on this, but you know, there's going to be a need for someone at a hospital. There's going to be a need for someone at the station. There's going to be a need for someone at the family's house. Yeah. Yeah. And some of these assignments can go on for hours. Yeah. And so how do we do that if we're alone? How do we do that if uh, we're, there's only two of us? 
Yeah. And maybe some of that too is, is the humility. We've had critical incidents where I have, you know, my, my head chaplain will say, go to the, go to the police station. And I'm like, well, why am I not being sent to the scene? Or why am I not being sent to the hospital? Or am I not being sent to maybe to a, to a right. family member's home or something like that? Right. You know, what use am I down there at the station? Well, right. there's a use in all of those places. That's right. And I need to let go of my ego and be like, well, I may decide in my mind that one place is more important. There's more things happening or more important people in one place or another. I need to just let go of that and be a part of the team and just be a presence and when those officers filter in at the end of their shift, and they weren't the ones primarily involved, but but they still need support too. Oh yeah. And so so I'm going to go fill whatever role I'm told to by the chief or my head chaplain or whoever. Right. And and I'm going to accept that and serve and and like I said, just just be present and be available. That's right. And if I've done proactive work ahead of time. Then, then I've already got a relationship with some of these people, and some of them may want to reach out to me, or maybe they'll just appreciate that they saw me. That's right. They'll reach out to me at a later date. That's right. But yeah, that's it's it's so difficult to not want to just swoop in and solve things right. and give answers. That's right. such a hard thing to resist. It is, and one of the best pieces of advice that I was given uh, by a chaplain was: uh, if if you're a chaplain, make sure you show up at the good things. Hmm. Make sure you make yourself available at the at the awards banquets and at the retirements and at the at the family days and at the at yeah. the good things. Get get on the calendar. Get yeah. find out who the <laughs> who controls the calendar for those <laughs> events and get on the notification list and start showing up for those things because that's where you start to build relationship. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. and then the other thing that we have to be aware of is that the closer a chaplain gets to his or her department. Uh, the more that individual chaplain might be impacted by the tragedy as well. Yeah, yeah. So just bear. Yeah, well, you are one of the traumatized. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And we all need we all need support. We all need to figure that out. So. You you actually would have some insight on this as far as having a responsibility while you yourself are traumatized. When your partner was murdered, you were sent to make the death notification. Right. How do you feel about that? Is that a Good practice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why? Be- because I had a connection with uh, with his widow. Because I had a connection with the family. Okay. Because um, I knew the kids' names and they knew me. I had been over. I had been at family cookouts. I'd been. I'd been a part of their life. So having somebody there who is not just um, a stranger, I think, was important. I think it was beneficial. Mm-hmm. I've never asked that question to the family, but uh, I believe it was. So, and... Even though it was very difficult for you. Oh, yeah, horrible, traumatic. Uh, I would yeah. say, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, it was a traumatic event for me, but I wouldn't change it. Huh. I would not do it. Um, and the other thing is, is when I arrived at the station, um, I can remember that, you know, and this is something that, uh, how do you prepare for this? Not every officer is going to respond or react to this news in a really productive way. No. And some officers might be out kicking things and throwing things and having tantrums and really yeah. out of control. I, I was actually sent to calm someone down uh, yeah. on this night that needed calming. And um, so be prepared that uh, you're going to see um, emotional reactions uh, from people that you're, that you're not prepared for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Have a thick skin. Yeah. Because there'll be yes. misplaced anger. There will be. And that'll be that'll be a common 
site among the police officers. There will be. Yep. Yep. And especially when an officer is killed, you know, I'll tell you one of the things I used to do as a young officer was I always looked, I always looked for a reason that the officer was killed. Some mistake they made, yeah. um, some error they made that, that because I, what I was really doing was trying to cope with my own fears that I could be killed. Mm-hmm. So if I can, if I can start picking apart and pointing fingers at, well, they didn't run the license plate before they stopped the car or, uh, he didn't search the guy when he got him out of the car and then the guy pulled a gun, you know, that kind of a thing, then it helps me to feel more secure that, I, that that's not going to happen to me. And that's just human nature and um, just expect that. Do you let an officer rattle on and on about all the things they could have or should have done different so they can work through that process? Or do you try to, do you try to tell them that, hey, that, you know, this isn't, those aren't legitimate answers. It's just a thing you feel you need to go through. Should we just let them go through it? I think there's a I think there's a value to letting someone vent. I think you have you'll have to assess in the moment to understand uh, whether this you know if there's a, if there's a venting process that's going to help someone make progress. Then I think we're in a good place and allow allow the person to vent. Yeah. Don't judge. Um, encourage support. Um, don't pretend you understand if you don't. Yeah. And even if you, so even if I had to go counsel an officer right now whose partner had been killed, I, I'm not going to go tell them I know how you feel because I really don't. I'm not them. Yeah. I understand the gravity of it and I understand the emotional uh, sort of turmoil that happens, but uh, don't pretend you know what they're going through because you don't. No. No. So, yeah, I think at some point, depending on the person's state of mind, it, it could be helpful to say, okay, you, you've expressed a lot of. Uh, you know, things about how, how you're viewing everything that happened. And I just want you to know, in the end, it's not going to change anything. No. And we have to figure out a way to move forward. We have to, the world is still turning and yeah. uh, we have to move forward. Yeah. So. You're not rehashing all the details. It's not going to change the past. Nope. And, and diligence and, and vigilance are important in law enforcement, but hypervigilance Right. can actually be problematic. Right. Uh, you cannot get inside your head trying to dot every single I and anticipate, you know, the crossing of every single T. You, 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 right. can't, you, you can't, you, you have to, you, you could actually get more distracted trying to cover every base possible right. in a neurotic kind of fashion right. oh, yeah. that, that that's not healthy. Right. And so, so I can picture, you know, uh, you know, a supervisor yelling at everybody, well, you got to do all these things. And that's true. Sure. And they've already been trained and they know that. Right. But, but that kind of venting is a, is a thing that I see after a traumatic incident when everybody's upset. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So extra grace, extra patience, um, love people. Yeah. You know, um, few words. We have two ears and one mouth. <laughs> That's a good ratio to remember. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen twice as much as you speak or more. Yeah. And um, just be patient, you know. And uh, yeah, but I think I think the one thing I would tell uh, somebody is is being present is the most it's the most important thing. Yeah. And don't look for the magic words. Don't look for the magic acts. Um, handle handle the the crisis. Look, I was on a I was on a call out uh, recently. Where uh, a woman, a mother was in distress, and her dad was there at the hospital consoling her. So I really didn't have direct ministry availability with her as a chaplain, but she needed Kleenex at one point, mm. 
And so I was, okay, I'll go get you Kleenex. And I ran in and yeah. got a box of Kleenex. And then a few minutes later, she said, I, I need, I'm thirsty. I go, okay, I'll get you some water. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's all we can do. Yeah. But, but if you're there, that's what you do. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's uh, frustrating when, when you feel like you need to do something. Uh, that's what, uh, that's part of, of being in shock and being, going through this process is, is feeling like, well, I need to do something. Right. And a chaplain feels that too. And you need to kind of push back against that. Be prepared in advance to push back. Correct. And, and to, to not, not run around needlessly. You just need to be there. Right. And your being there is doing something. I don't know if you ever feel like, you ever ask the question, am I doing any good? Mm. Am I making an impact? Yeah. Um, I went to roll call one evening, this is in uh, 77th division, South central LA. And the detectives came up to roll call and told us about a, a gang war that was taking place between two gangs. And, uh, the Florencias were killing the Canales and it was, there was no, (laughs) there was no payback. The Canales gang were the victims. They were just repeatedly being victims. Hmm. And so his, his uh, request of us in roll call was, man, if you go out tonight and you see a Canales guy hanging out in the street, would you send him home? Because mm. he's going to get shot. Yeah. So we left roll call, and I didn't drive more than four or five blocks. The station was in a, a pretty bad part of town there. And there was this uh, Hispanic gang member standing in the corner. And so, you know, my partner, I said, hey, let's, let's go talk to this guy. And we started to talk with him. And sure enough, he was a Canales gang member. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, are, you're, you're with Canales. He goes, yeah, I'm with Canales. And I said, well... Um, you know, the Florentians are uh, shooting, killing you guys right now, right? He goes, yeah. I go, aren't you worried about standing out here? He goes, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, he goes, yesterday I was standing right here and a car with, with uh, three Florentians pulled up and, and stopped and a guy got out of the back seat with a sawed off shotgun. And I said, you're kidding me. He goes, no. I go, well, what happened? He says, that guy walked up to me and stuck the shotgun in my chest. I said, what? He goes, oh, yeah. And then he looked to the left and he looked to the right. And when he looked to the right, he saw a police car two blocks away turning away from us. Mm. And he looked back at me and he cocked his head and he put the shotgun down. He got back in the car and they drove away. Mm. And I said, okay, go home. Just go home. He goes, okay. So I sent him home. And now I'm walking back to my police car, and I'm I'm wondering, who was that yesterday? That yeah. was on patrol that stopped a murder. Yeah, it wasn't. I knew it wasn't me because that interview that I had with that Hispanic gang member took place on Main Street, and the day before when I worked, I didn't make it to Main Street. Yeah, so I knew it wasn't me. But who, my point is that somebody came to work that day and prevented a homicide. Yeah, and they will never know. Yeah. Well, and and same thing with with a chaplain. Oh, you 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 may prevent a suicide. That's right. And never know it. That's right. And so so just keep showing up. Keep being there. That's right. That's making a difference. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I was was asked by this chaplain from another agency, you know, what to do. Right. And there are you know, there's that endless list of correct answers. Sure. And so what I gave them was was just one thing to focus on. Okay. And and something that I've valued in in recent years is is when the family of the fallen are in a continued relationship with the department. Correct. Uh, and and I feel like that's something that can be nurtured. And a chaplain has a 
you know, potential to step in and, and help nurture that. So you can maintain this relationship with these families by by remembering important dates. And yes. and for some, I've seen some people who are widowed where it was the wedding anniversary that was particularly poignant mm. for them, sometimes several years in a row after the loss of their loved one. Right. Uh, but but holidays are obvious, one's birthdays are obvious. Um, any of those might be important. And if you can collect all of these dates and and certainly reach out to that family, you know, eight months down the road, a year down the road, two years down the road, that, that's important. But but if you can also coach your commanders to do that, if you can get the police chief to do that, the sheriff to do that, right. and to remind them, say, look, here's a schedule. You need to send out a message to this family on these dates. And this is over the next three years. <laughs> right. And, and and I've done all the legwork for you. This is the correct anniversary. This is the correct birthday. Right. Uh, here's your list. And if you can maybe not only do it yourself, but coach those leaders in law enforcement to do it, I think that would be valuable. Oh, huge. Um, because, because they'll do a great job in that first week or so leading right. up to the funeral. Right. And law enforcement funerals are, are very well coordinated. Other agencies jump in and participate. And you know, these beautiful processions and beautiful ceremonies at the cemetery with, with bagpipes and drums. And the fire truck comes out and hangs a huge flag for everybody right. to see. And it, right. it's, it's very good. Everybody cooperates on a great level there. Right. They, you probably don't need the chaplain right there because everybody's already given that all of their attention. Right. But a funeral serves the function of telling everybody that, okay, now you can move on. Right. And everyone will move on except for the family. Sure. The family is still going to be reminded of that continued loss, you know, for, for a long time. Right. And the same can be true for a partner officer. Yes. Uh, the trauma yep. the trauma from something like this for a partner or from a, and maybe if you're not even riding in the same car, but you're the first one on scene and it's your buddy that's down mm-hmm. or, you know. Yeah. Somebody uh, you went to the academy together, yeah. had some connection. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I can tell you after, after, after my partner was killed, uh, I got so depressed one night that I, I had the barrel of a gun in my mouth. I was mm. that far gone. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, the, this, this, um, this presence that we can have in showing care for everyone, for the family. Yeah. And I think, I think what you're, you're suggesting is fantastic. And it kind of dovetails into like, if you, are somewhere get prepared for this. Yes. Yeah. Um, my department has has uh, developed uh, what they call a care package. So it could be as simple as a one sheet form, and the each officer fills it out, and and, and it, it gets information for from them. What's your religious belief? Mm. If uh, if you get killed in the line of duty, whom do you want to tell your spouse? Yeah. Yeah. Let's get a name on the paper. Yep. Maybe you've got a regular friend. Maybe you've got a pastor at your church. Maybe you have a neighbor. Maybe whatever. Yeah. Uh, but let's get this thing ahead of time uh, built up so that we have a we have sort of a play sheet. Yes. Uh, that when something happens, we can pull that sheet out and go, "Hey, uh, Ward is the guy that this officer has said is the one that's going to deliver this notification." So let's get a hold of Ward. Yeah. 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 And you're prepared for that. You've done some legwork ahead right. of time because because in the moment of the crisis, there's going to be things that slip through the cracks. Oh. Oh. So so yeah. doing as much of this as possible beforehand is right. going to help you. Right. And I feel like a chaplain can can jump in and help. And and there's people listening to this that aren't just chaplains. I mean, obviously right. there's there's people that are that are commanders, they aspire to be commanders. 
being attentive to this and asking your team to help collect this information uh, is going to benefit you. This is going to help you take care of your people. Because if if your department sees you taking care of this tragic situation this way, they will believe that you will also take care of them if that happens to them. And they'll put themselves in that spot, and they'll say, okay, you're, we're taking care of this family. That's almost the same as them taking care of me and my family. And this brings up a, uh, something that I think is worth, you know, sort of getting on the table. Uh, 20, 30 years ago, there was no, uh, how do you feel? Yeah. <laughs> if, if anybody, asked, you know, if you had a shooting and someone said, how do you feel? Your response was, I'm fine. Right. It was a bad guy, and I did what I had to do, you know? Well, it's not the same today. Uh, generations have changed. And I would even go so far as to say that even the old tough guys who, who never shared their feelings were all secretly messed up anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but particularly for our commanders, our chiefs right now, who might be in an older generation, and, and their generation might have been of the mindset, hey, rub some dirt on it, you're okay, that, that, it's okay, that we need to communicate to our officers that it's okay for them to say, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. I need help. Yeah. And to recognize that it takes more courage and more strength to say that than it does to just say, hey, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what, what kind of an atmosphere are we cultivating in our, in our departments? And are we giving people the freedom to share when they're not okay? Because the last thing you want to do is end up with an officer suicide. Right, right. That you or or an officer working it out differently, like like uh, driving too fast, drinking too much, correct. whatever. You can lose an officer. He's like, well, I don't want I don't want to see an officer, you know, be out for a week or a month or six months because we don't have enough manpower as it is. Right. Well, if you keep pushing, you're going to lose that officer regardless. And so, so let's potentially have that officer next year or That's five right. years from now. <laughs> That's right. Versus maybe you might not you might not have them now, but it's worth it to keep them long term. Right. And then the last thing I would say, and maybe this is more for the I'm I'm jumping around a little bit. Maybe this is more for the what can you do in the aftermath? Um, debriefs are really really useful. Hmm. Most of us storytell trauma. That's yeah. how ninety five or higher percentage of us you know will storytell. Look. All of us have had something traumatic happen to us. We narrowly missed having a traffic accident or something happened and we just barely escaped. And we want to tell that. When you get home, you're like, man, you won't believe this semi-truck went through a red light and missed me by inches. And That's us storytelling out our trauma. Mm -hmm. Now, getting cops to talk can be hard. Okay. (laughs) So if you're going to try to get officers together to debrief, don't make it. Don't make it your goal that you're going to get them to share their feelings. Make it your goal that you're going to get them to talk about what their role was in the incident and, and when they, where did they respond from and what did they find. So let's say that you've had an officer killed and it was on a traffic stop and now you have a half a dozen officers or maybe a dozen officers that are directly affected that were there and, and saw the trauma and all that. Wouldn't it be great to get those 12 officers in a room and sit down and just one by one, I want to go around this room and I want you to tell me where you were when the call came out and which how you responded and what you saw when you got there. Yeah. Just tell me what happened. 
And one by one to go around and everybody gets to tell, this is something my son's department is doing on a trauma basis when they, when they've had, they've had some pretty horrific uh, crime scenes. And this is how they're they're uh, They have a licensed therapist that comes in and does this. And this is how she does it. I think it's brilliant because she's not saying, Hey officer, tell me how you feel about this. Because when you ask that the officer is going to go, I feel fine. Yeah. The world is screwed up and I'm part of it. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if you say, hey, officer, um, tell me, how did you get the call? Where were you? And, and what did you see when you got there? You know, blah, 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 blah. I rolled and I got and I saw this and I saw the blood. And then they just tell what they saw and what happened. Mm-hmm. But in that, in that storytelling process, there is a catharsis, I think, that takes place. And I think that's healthy. A commander or somebody in supervision who can can maybe make some tweaks to that. Yep. That's something you have to do in advance. You can't change that the week of a tragedy. That's right. Change it in advance, work it out, game plan it, see you know if we can improve it. There might be an improvement that right. you could make. And the last thing I would say, if you're a, if you're, particularly if you're a police chaplain, uh, I think, to, to me, I know there's all kinds of different paths in training to become a chaplain. The International Conference of Police Chaplains, ICPC, is a great organization and they deal specifically with law enforcement chaplaincy. And they hold trainings all over the country, all different times of the year. Uh, it's affordable. And every, every one of these trainings is hosted by somebody who has been doing police chaplaincy for a long time. And they've dealt with officer line of duty deaths. They've dealt with officer suicides. They've dealt with divorces and alcoholism and substance yeah. abuse. And it's, it's a really specialized, uh, focused way to, to be trained and, and to establish a network of, yeah. of support. Yeah. And I think that's really important is that, look, if you're a chaplain in, in Department A and you, you join, with, you know, your city comes up against another city, do you know who the chaplains are next door? Yeah. And do you have coffee with them? Do you know, you guys, we can use each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that, that, uh, that, I'm doing right now is is uh, bringing together in Johnson County, Kansas, all of the police chaplains from Johnson County, Kansas. We're trying to mm-hmm. we're going. I joke that we're going to unionize. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to network with one another and get to know each other because uh, it, maybe you are a small agency, but you might have a big agency next door that has resources that would be available to you. Yeah, it's still your department. You're still the one in charge, but you have you have resources you can call on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would roll anywhere. If if somebody called me from New York tomorrow and said, man, we just need a police chaplain out, I'd get on an airplane and go. Yeah. Well, and for like natural disasters, that may be the request. That's right. It's like, we we need all hands on deck. Can we call from neighboring regions or neighboring counties? That kind of thing. Right. Uh, for those of you scoring at home, Ward and I are in adjacent counties right. in Kansas. We're both in the Kansas City metro, but we're not from the same agency or same even the same county. Right. And so we're we're just uh neighboring. And and at some point, I'll tell you this, Jared, uh you and I are gonna come together in one of these because this is gonna grow. Yeah. I'm starting in my county and then we're gonna then we're gonna expand it to yeah. Wyandotte County and then we're gonna expand it to the Missouri side. Yeah. And we're gonna get all of us together so that we can share yeah. and build networking and have each other's phone numbers and we need to we need to self care. Pastors and chaplains, you guys, you need to self-care. Yeah, that's what my chaplain association, when we have meetings, we'll have, like every other meeting, where it's just us 
talking about what we've been through right. and it's kind of a confidential you know group counseling really yes. and you got so a you got a room for a full of counselors counseling each other storytelling out your trauma yeah that's yeah. exactly what you're doing and that's perfect that's what we all have to do excellent yeah. excellent thank you ward thank you appreciate your time <laughs>